This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, brought to you by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. Orbition Group is delighted to bring this podcast series, which boasts some of the most high-profile data, analytics, and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Each episode details the journey to the top of our industry's most respected leadership figures, while bringing unique insights drawn from first-hand experience on the industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, experiences, and ideas to inspire, innovate, and give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Caroline Warbors, who is a data, digital, and AI consultant and advisor. Um, so, Caroline, thank you very much for joining us today. Hello, great to meet you all and to speak to you. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity. Um, yeah, as Kyle just said, I'm data, digital, and AI consultant and board advisor, and I've always run data and tech businesses predominantly focused on creating value and managing solutions across hundreds of clients and across lots of industries. And um, it's always been about outcomes, measuring outcomes. I've also made four acquisitions and six divestments, and I currently invest in seven businesses. So um, as you can probably tell, I've been around for quite some time. And the joke from one of my brilliant data scientists is that while I maybe don't have a PhD in data science, or that's a definite don't have a PhD in data science, my experience is still very statistically relevant. So I'm going to stick to that rather than calling myself of any particular age. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, thank you very much for the uh, for the introduction, uh, Caroline. So um, I guess... Give us a bit of insight into that journey and, and that background, sure. obviously a very, uh, a very illustrious career. Um, so kind of give us a bit of insight into how you've ended up to, to this point and then we'll tackle the next bit after that. Okay, so I, I started out in data some sort of 30 years ago and that was really before it was valued at all. And mostly it wasn't even considered in the mix when activity was taking place. And that was partly because it was really quite an expensive exercise to analyze data, it was predominantly mainframe based. So um, after experiencing that for a few years in various companies, I started my own business. And then we were using snazzy new PC based software, clearly much cheaper. And um, it meant we could also be more agile. And so I offered clients the management of data and analytics on a monthly fixed price. So it's sort of a bit like a subscription. And clearly what that did was it led to much more activity and more results, a lot more in, insight for the clients. And as a consequence, I ended up building a business which had high recurring revenue and actually a really good blue chip client base and some very interesting case studies. And what happened therefore was that um, I sold the business to News International and at that point, I thought, oh, well, maybe I won't last very long in News International. But actually, I remained there for eight years where I was CEO. And we consolidated a bunch of businesses together that were sort of more strategically aligned. And we did some really fun things like, you know, we launched the subscription service for the FT.com and for the Times, lots of government campaigns. However, the part that always causes the most interest among everyone was when we started TV voting in the UK. Hmm. Um, first episode ever if we want to be a millionaire and then we went on and ran it across all, all shows in the UK um, and then after those eight years news decided to divest of all non-core businesses apart from publishing and um, we sold the business to an entity which had a desire to build a credit reference business which was Call Credit so from all the assets that we had we created Call Credit which is now TransUnion and I left when we sold that business to venture capital, um, partly because at that point um, I had three teenage boys and working in Leeds as I lived down south wasn't optimal. So, um, sorry, it's a bit of a long story, folks, but stick with me, I'm really done. And, and after leaving, I um, thought, well, what haven't I done? Because I'd now worked across lots of different types of data. And I realized I hadn't done anything particularly focused on global 
So I took a job working in data and insights um, at Wonderman, part of the WPP group. And laterally, I led um, data and insights globally from New York. And then on returning from New York, I felt that the trends were definitely in the area of AI. So I worked for a year. Um, I worked with Edwina and Clive of Dunhumby in their startup StarCount. And then more recently, after over the last few years, I've been working as a founder of Outra. And as I said, very much data science and AI focused. And Outra has done really well and created some amazing capability. And I've just exited as we've now moved it into scale-up mode. Um, uh, but I remain absolutely enthused by the industry, which over the last five to six years, we've seen some great developments and capabilities that quite frankly, earlier in my career, I could never have dreamed of. So they're, they're so strong. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Good. Well, look, um, appreciate that um, kind of very insightful detail, because I think that's um, very useful to get an understanding of your entrepreneurial drive, which is probably leading us very nicely into the meat of the topic. But I guess before we do that, and conscious, Caroline, that I don't want to kind of tee you up to give up too much information around, you know, the getting into the topic, but just give us a very brief snapshot of kind of what the future holds for you and, um, you know, what you're kind of up to at this point and, you know, what the next 12, 18 months looks like. Oh, well, um, I think the the honest answer is I don't have, um, I don't have an absolute 100% dead cert answer. First of all, short break, and I'm having some really interesting conversations. But ultimately, my aim is to work less days per week and have more of a sort of plural portfolio and um, to just really work with businesses where there's great people and they want to use data to transform their business. So that's kind of the plan, is as loose as it is at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, good. Um, so look, I'm really excited to kind of delve into the meat of today's topic because honestly since we first spoke about having you on this podcast I've probably had this conversation about 500,000 times it feels like um, around the need for um, that kind of advisor NED type of profile within our industry for a number of different reasons but I guess before we delve into that I think it would be useful to pick that apart a little bit so I guess obviously every organization on the planet is kind of looking now you know they're either looking to do something with data and analytics and AI if they're not already or they're looking to do more if they've already embarked upon that journey but I guess there's a number of key themes which I see appear time and time again that for whatever reason seem to limit the value that's being realized by most organizations when they're going on this journey. Um, So I don't want to put too many words in your mouth here, but I guess, how do you go about ensuring that you're able to drive strategic business value out of these initiatives? Because that seems to be a really big issue at the moment. Um, There was an instance just the other day, I was speaking to a senior business leader who told me about uh, a multinational um, that had a, 100-person data science team, um, two years in the making of working on these programs and projects, and the business had had to basically call in a one of the big strategy players to try and get value out of them um, because two years of work, 100-person team, and no value. So why, why, why is this happening? How do you stop that from happening? Well, it's a, as you say, it's a massive subject, and... Um, you know, there there are genuinely lots of strategic opportunities and they are in complex and they are in new markets and innovations really in demand. However, if if I, I guess if I had to try and pick one thing that you'd go for, I'd say it's really got to be about the outcomes. So be be really clear and, you know, to use simple basic analogies like, you know, when you do your sat nav, is the outcome that you want to get to a certain destination by the motorway, or is it that you want to go by the B roads? You know, it, it's a different outcome. So the, the tighter you drill into what is the outcome, the better, you know. Um, so generally, you know, the outcome and being really, really precise. And I'd say probably most of the wasted time comes in people having a rough idea that, 
you know, somebody wants to go somewhere, but still everyone's faffing around thinking, what postcode am I going to punch into the sat nav, let alone have they got down to deciding, is it by the motorways or by the, the B roads? So very much an out, uh, outcome focused. And you've got to meet the business objectives. Um, but, and you've got to ask lots of questions. Um, and it's really all about what needs to happen for the organisation to thrive. And I think it is back to this problem that, you know, it's a fast moving, it's a fast moving and complex environment. And therefore, you know, that, that that's literally what we have to focus on. It's an ever changing world. And, and probably the other thing is, is that you've got to balance that growth and the risk. And lots of people will talk about those things, but can you really show the impact? And can you really show, maybe even if it's just incremental effect, can you show and evidence that incremental effect? Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. important. Yeah. I mean, this this subject fascinates me and I, I, I'm talking about this now on a, on a daily basis and I kind of, I feel like I kind of go over this point on almost every episode that that I do of the podcast, but I see so many businesses embark upon this journey because it's kind of a, an obligation, you know, the competitors doing it. There's so much talk in the industry around becoming data driven and, you know, they want to, they want to build a business that where decisions are, are evidence based and all of this type of stuff. But there's, there's never a real strategy as to why they're doing that apart from that fact. And, and as you said, it's, it fascinates me because it doesn't matter who I speak to, whether you're speaking to a, a, a fairly junior data scientist, for example, or you're speaking to somebody like yourself, the, the premise of that conversation is still that we all know that we have to start with that business problem and that outcome and try and work back. Um, yet still research suggests something like what 85% of data analytics projects fail or something along those lines. So I guess, how do you cut through with so much going on in terms of actually businesses wanting to do this, but so much failure as well, kind of where, how do you get to that point where you identify where that opportunity actually is? Well, I think it's had a couple of things in there about one is um, it needs to have a strategic focus. So I'll come back to that. But but I think the, another point is that all too often in leadership, you're waiting for people to give you some insights to kind of feed your thoughts. So you can say, this is the biggest business problem. And therefore, this is the direction I think we ought to go in. And then the people that are doing the, the work are waiting for you to give a clear direction of this is exactly the outcome I need. So it can be a very iterative process, and it mostly is a very iterative process. So I think, you know, it's very difficult for very senior people who don't, haven't worked intensely with data and tech and and AI to know even what the art of the possible is to ask the questions. So you get this problem sort of on the translation. However, um, that's definitely a stumbling point. However, to drive real business value, as I said, you do need to be um, very strategic. And to be truly strategic, I think you need to be both creative and analytical. And that's my point. With data, that's even more true. And a lot of the people that employ, if you employ 100 data scientists, they're probably all analytical. They're probably all much more introvert. And, and you need a balance in the middle. And you need some general business understanding. Um you know, and and go back to focus on the outcomes and you're trying to solve problems. And, you know, mostly, well, I always prefer the ones that have been solved before, but it really takes a mixture. And I think one of the ways to overcome it is to kind of have some hypotheses and say, my hypothesis is that um, in order to diversify the revenue stream, we ought to look at this and ask more precise questions like, do you see any growth in revenue around that type of revenue stream? So, you know, be be quite precise or say, I think we could make more money if we made better decisions by using this. Or we've always as a business thought that our best customers came from this source because there's lots of corporate bias that floats around organizations. How do you actually maybe sometimes look at the data to challenge that corporate bias, you know? 
And um, people always go on about, you know, looking at customer profiles and finding more customers. But there's, there's lots of places that you can look if you're just slightly at a, at a sort of from very high level, high level one to sort of high level two or three, you're starting to say, is it about revenue generation? Is it about cost cutting? Is it about more insight? But it's still an outcome and sort of trying to pack it down. Clearly, all this stuff layers up. But you can test a hypothesis quite quickly. And you can think of a hypothesis as being a way to acquire data that will help augment human decision making rather than doing some data science on a hypothesis just to build a model that will automatically do something. Hmm. Does that make sense? I mean, it makes absolute sense. And like a lot of conversations that I have on the podcast, when people break it down so simplistically and so eloquently, I often wonder what the big problem is. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I guess it, it's an interesting point because you know I hear it all the time. We should start with the business problem. Everyone seems to know that. But often what we find is that maybe we're not too sure which business problem to tackle. And therefore, what happens is we kind of write, we need you to go look at the data and tell us where the opportunities are, the challenges, all the problems are. And I think it's it's that middle ground there which you which you kind of laid out is that, you know, actually at a very senior business leadership level, these people might not be too sure which problem is best to to be tackled because they don't really know what's possible and what's not. So you're talking there around creating kind of questioning to kind of help guide them on that journey. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, of, yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. Okay. And I think your point about um, you know where is the opportunity currently? I would say that you know this is quite a big subject of where is the opportunity. But um, I guess it might help if I kind of cite some of the ones that that I've seen and try and make them as sort of anecdotal as possible. Yeah. But I'd say overall, you know, everyone is using data in some way to sort of transform or move their business forward. Um, and, and it's all about growing and, and easily and more cost effectively and using the assets the businesses have to, to, to really innovate. Um, but generally speaking, um, you'll, you know, you'll have talked a lot about on these podcasts. I've listened to quite a few or most of them about things like programmatic advertising. And the reason you see those coming through as great case studies with massive revenues attached to them is because there's large quantities of data, which is abundant and it changes frequently. And of course, that's fantastic in AI decision, decisioning, et cetera. So you can see lots happening there, but with the changes in data privacy and more understanding within organizations, what I think we are beginning to see now is a trend where more companies are taking control of their own vast amounts of data and trying to build up that internal corporate knowledge. And, you know, often those companies have vast amounts of data, but as we've, again, heard all too often, it tends to be in silos. And, um, you know, if it's in silos, you can't see what benefit that is giving across the whole organization. So oftentimes you hear people talking about um, segmenting customers, and I've had a great deal of experience of, you know, segmentations. And um, oftentimes people will segment and say, well, you know, this person is likely to be young with children of school age living in this area. And actually, you know, I've moved on. I'm no longer in that stage of my life. I've got children who've left home and I'm, I would no longer attach the label young. So, you know, it, it, it's moved on. But you have to do things now, and it is now possible, whereas it wasn't 20 years ago, to get that segmentation to change with your consumers. That's one point. The other thing is people often talk about segmentation just in the realm of consumers, but there is a lot that can be done by segmenting other areas of the business using different data. So I have for a client used, um, used EPOS data to segment in casual dining the, the, the type of activity that's going on in 
you know, over 100 restaurants in the UK. Mm. Now, clearly, this was pre-COVID. But of course, what happens is it challenges the corporate bias because you might think we'll put, we'll classify all the restaurants that are um, in market towns together as market town-based restaurants, and we'll give them promotional activity, and we'll treat them the same because they're all in market towns, or we'll do it based on capacity or whatever. You might you might pick your reasons, but of course, when you look at that from a data perspective you might find it's a completely different picture. In an actual fact, you do find it's a completely different picture. And in some, in some areas, a restaurant may be the best in town, and therefore it's for the poshest night out you can possibly muster. And in other places where it's more affluent, it might be that people use it as their McDonald's, you know, because it's, it's the cheapest thing in, in, in the area. So, you know, when I say actually use all the assets across the business, it's that creativity of thinking about these are all the sources of data. Now, that's something that was achieved without touching customer data, just touching data that already existed within the organization. So there's lots of things like that that people can start to do. But I think you are right. The more stories you tell, the more people think, oh, well, that's not a bad idea. Maybe I should look at doing things like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, it fascinates me because there's been, as I said, people, I've had people on the podcast where we've talked about, you know, the single source of truth or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you want to want to call that. And um, there's, a, there's, I guess there's some, um, I guess, perception from business leaders, you know, they think oh, these, are, these type of people are our best customers. And actually when all that work's been done and you go back and say, you know, no, Mr. CEO, they're actually not your best customers and that that whole perceptions of what's going on within that business. And um, I guess it's, that's difficult then to tell a CEO that, <laughs> you know, what he believes is, is his best customers actually not and they've been doing it wrong for, for a long time sort of thing. So it's interesting. I guess the, the NED piece, Caroline, is... I, I think this is going to take off, honestly. If I were to put my, my hat on something, I think this is going to be the thing if we get to the point where we can change that success rate, you know, rather than it being 85% failure, if we can turn that on its head, I think this NED thing is probably going to be the thing that gets us there. And I guess the reason why I say that is because from, from what I see organizations, they want to go on this journey, but they they'll go and hire someone fairly senior to come in and look after that data analytics piece within a business, whether it's a, you know, head of or a CDO or whatever, whoever's the most senior person. But what I see happening is once someone's in there on the inside, for whatever reason, and maybe you can shed some light on this, it almost becomes impossible for that person to drive the required change once they're in there. But equally, these business leaders might not be as trusting, let's say, as, as they would be for independent advisors, you know, to go, you know, they don't want to go to Bain or Accenture or whatever, because I guess they're worried about what all that kind of adds up to, so to speak. So I guess this, this NED thing, I think is going to be something that can really take us, you know, beyond this point of failure to the point of success. But I guess just give us an insight from as a, as an NED in this space, you know, working alongside a CEO and a board to say, right, this is what we, you know, this is what you should be expecting. This is what you need to do. Where's the starting point? How does that conversation begin? What what, what type of things are being spoken about in terms of, you know, how, how you get them on this, this journey in the right way? Um, well, a couple of things there. No, certainly with the, um, how do you begin? There's, um, it could be a massive long answer. I think that's probably the way I'm hesitating on it. And, um, you know, it's it's a very boil, boil the ocean question. So one, one of the ways I've sort of adapted to think through what it is people want to do is get people to sort of stand back and say, um, try and ask sort of the golden question, as it were. Now, before I come to the golden question, there's just one other point to make, which is, there is an issue with the fact that some CDOs do not necessarily own budget. They have to get budget from other areas, whether it be tech or marketing or whatever. And I, th- I think that will evolve over time. 
that, you know, that does create a problem, which means that a lot of the decisions end up going to the board. And then everybody sits on the board and says, well, I don't know, do you think that's good? You know, what do you think? And sometimes that can come down to the quality of the presentation or the clarity of the story. But, but that is definitely a problem. And that might be a point we want to come back and, and talk about slightly more. But when you actually try and say to people, what is it you're trying to achieve? Because AI is very much about helping you to predict moving forward. Yeah. And so the golden question becomes very much, forget everything that's going on in the business at the moment. What do you as a CEO or board wish you could predict? Now, clearly, we're all going to say we wish we could have predicted COVID. But let's park that one and say, quite simply, what do you wish you could predict? And, and when you think like that, you don't find yourself drowning in sort of lots of barriers in your head. You start thinking, yeah, you know, in order to make my business successful, what do I really want to know? I want to know what my next revenue stream is. I want to know how long it's going to take people to make a decision. Or, you know, I want to know how to make performance in um, certain units or certain areas or certain countries better. So people then start to get a little bit more focused on the, the, real, the real issue and not think about the data. Because, you know, as soon as everyone starts dipping into the data, then everyone starts a bit like when you give everyone a spreadsheet and everyone starts focusing in and pointing at the numbers and saying exactly what went into that number. And I think one of, the, one of the things to do is to actually try and keep the conversation quite high level for as long as possible to work out what it is the business really wants to predict that would make them more successful. Um, and generally, I have found that's worked. And there's really good examples. I mean, you know, if you use the, the example that everyone knows, which is Netflix, most of their success is down to being able to very quickly predict what we might like to watch based on historic data. Now, quick is an important word in that phrase, because we're not all going to sit there and scroll through loads of stuff. They've got to get it accurate quickly. And, you know, driverless cars are just, you know, a series of predictions. And so, you know, there's, there's lots of things that are about predictions, because very quickly, when you say to someone, what is it you want to predict? People start talking about, oh, well, it doesn't work in my business, you know, and, and everything does have a degree of predictability. It's how accurate can that prediction be? Might be whether you want to move house or whatever. There, there is a predictability about it. And that can certainly be found. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's real, really interesting to hear you say that because I think that's probably what the industry is very guilty of right is we do jump into the detail quickly because we that's where we think the answer is and often from what I'm from what I've gathered from talking to you Caroline it's a case of we're probably not spending enough time asking questions that are going to allow us to pinpoint actually where we need to go and look if that makes sense um, yeah yeah I do think so I mean you know I have walked out of numerous situations thinking oh I understand what it is they're trying to achieve as a business what will create unique and distinct business value. I understand what they want to do. I just don't know how to do it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that because what it does take is it takes you going away. Then you go back and you ask lots of questions about what they have available and how could you do it? I talk about that restaurant segmentation. First walked out and thought, mm, with no customer data, how are you going to do this? But, but there is, if you're a problem solver, there is always a solution, but it's taking that business view of it and then talking, translating to the people to say, this is how you might go about solving this. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense. So to go back to the point you mentioned earlier around, you know, if you've got a CDO internally um, and, you know, very very few CDOs in our industry in comparison to data and analytics leadership figures, right? If you, yeah. if you look at the, the ratios um, and I guess probably even fewer that have that full responsibility to invest in what they want without having to go and get approval from the board and all of that type of stuff, as you mentioned earlier. So do you think that's playing a part in why this, and I don't want to call it a trust issue because I don't necessarily think it is, but, you know, to go back to that point, if, if a CEO is appointing a CDO, he or she is doing this stuff 
um, asking these questions, but yet they're not getting to the point where they're able to add that value. Is 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 that coming down to budgets and stuff, or is that something bigger? Because I think that's just from the outside looking in. That's how that's kind of what what I see and why I think this whole independent NED is going to be potentially the next big thing for us really because I, I, I can't put my finger on it hence why I'm asking you <laughs> why I'm asking you but um, you know I just think that there's it's just going to take someone who's really been there done this who can say right no look here's the types of questions we need to be asking ourselves to find these pain points to then start to think about if it's possible to then you know right then we can build teams then we can talk around what tech and tools we need and how big of a team we need and what it's going to cost and how long it's going to take. I kind of feel we we almost do all of that stuff before we figure out what we're trying to achieve often. Um, but but why, why do you think that happens internally from a, you know, if they bring someone in very senior whose job, I guess, theoretically is supposed to be just that, that that doesn't quite end up working? I, I think the, the thing is, is that it's it's a very complex landscape and no matter how smart you are, it takes a lot to get your head around everything that's going on and to digest all that information. And um, you actually have to then take everything that's going on, all the sort of the, the low iceberg um, facts, and, and turn it into some very tangible, um, you know, sort of playback to, to, to the various stakeholders. And, and I do think that. Um, some of the people who come in are very data literate and they've had a very um, good and strong career in, in, line, in a line function management role. But actually, what I've found has been the most use to me is, um, you know, a degree of creativity, but also um, understanding how to write information memorandums or um, investment proposals. Because in that, you have to listen to everything that's going on in the business and then cut through everything to say, at the end of the day, um, you know, this business is, is about this. This is where the exact value is in the business. So it's just that experience of having seen all the devil in the detail of all the stuff that's going on in the data, all the ways the data interacts right across the business and go for it. So there's that one piece and the other piece is the piece we said earlier which is the budget. So just give an example. If you were going to say um, now, one of the growing areas is definitely things like, how do I forecast now because of COVID? Because some of the facts that happened last year will clearly not replicate, but um, the year before won't replicate either. So, you know, there's certainly new demand now for people to use AI and data science, et cetera, to get their forecasting better. And, and sales forecasting can be affected by the weather, by national events, by, you know, big football matches, by all sorts of things. But if you're trying to accurately forecast sales in, in different regions and, you know, taking in all these external factors as well, and then take that all the way through to forecasting what you should be doing with your supply chain, it cuts across so many facets of the business. Now, clearly, if you can do that and you can do that accurately, that brings enormous business value. But it's more about a very strategic decision within the business rather than somebody having a budget that is kind of, you know, really on the CEO's lap that says this is what you can do cutting across. So you need people who are really good at data, but you also need people who are really good at complex stakeholder management and really good at vision and really being good at being able to articulate um, and chunk up that story into this is what it's actually going to do and this is how it's going to happen. So that's where I go back to refer to you get high level one, high level two, and you need to give the different levels within the organization different degrees of information to make it clear to them. Because clearly when you're doing something like an investment proposal, you could be talking to anyone who's got no idea about what data actually is and what it does, but it's a critical part of that business and they do go on to become a great investor, but you've got to find ways of talking it in, in a sensible and calm way that makes sense to them. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. I guess I'm just thinking out loud here as far as 
structures go and there's that whole debate around if you have a cdo where should it sit and is it is it really a cdo if it doesn't report to the ceo and all of that type of stuff i presume that must play a part if you have a cdo that effective i don't know if it reports to finance or if it reports to through tech or whatever the case may be i guess you know because what you were talking about earlier was this being so complex across the entire business to find out where the value truly is. It really needs to sit across the entire business, but structurally a lot of businesses don't set up their data capability like that. You know, it might report through marketing or finance or tech or whatever the case may be. Does that play a part in maybe that person not being able to see the the whole picture? And therefore is that a, a reason let's say why these, you know, unsuccessful, you know, projects are happening? I, I think the thing is, is that, you know, generally in very senior levels, if I use the point that you kind of have an an idea of where the exit is or what the, the main goal is. And if that's that's the CEO's job, he has a he has an idea that he wants to grow it to X amount to value or X amount, whatever. Then there's a layer that says, how am I going to grow it to that level of value? Um, with with the um, CDO, they might be looking to grow the customer base or do something specific, but there'll be a number of strategies, a number of data strategies that layer up towards the business goals. So I think it's just a question of when is the CDO doing five of those key priorities, of which there are 25, and when is it that they're actually driving the whole vision right across the business? And that comes back to your point about if the CEO is trying to decide, okay, I've got 25 projects that I'm trying to do, which one should I begin with and which levers do I pull and which order do you create the most overall business value, then that's probably where an advisor or a med or someone can say to you, well, this is going to be the most cost-effective way. This is going to be the best way to do something in order to get to your desired outcome. And um, I think I think that's the key point. And uh, people like me, I mean, you know, we've, we've just delivered it across lots of clients. What you've got is you've got that real, you know, almost show-stopping stories and tough, hard-nosed experience of being in, in the trenches of actually doing it. And so you're not cleverer than anybody else or anything. It's just you've got that experience and, and judgment of this is what works and this is what doesn't work. And by the time you've worked with lots of different clients' tech and lots of different clients' data and lots of different types of data, quantitative, qualitative, you know, social, the works. You've got a good gut feel for what the article possible is, which comes right back to the beginning of what is the article possible? And sometimes people don't know. So sometimes just simply a conversation to say, this might sound crazy, but I would love to be able to predict this. Do you think we could ever get there? Hmm. Um, it it starts to be well i'm not sure but let's have a look and you know that that's where that's where it goes really yeah yeah and i think so all that makes absolute sense and obviously there's a whole host of complexity going on within the organization which you know you've outlined which i guess makes it more obvious now as to why people in situ within organizations might find it difficult to to be able to get to that point i guess from a data and analytics leadership standpoint on the other side of that coin then and you know there's been many infamous cases right but equally the consultancy piece and the advisory piece as far as big advisory big you know the the, the main strategy players and all of that type of stuff um why why aren't they being trusted with this type of work as well? I think um, a lot of them are really good and they do some really good work. Um, and I think they are being asked lots of questions. But as you rightly say, sometimes the big consultancies are perceived and, and do cost a lot more money. Um, and, you know, a lot of organisations just want people who've got that pragmatic and real hands-on experience of doing it. Um, you know, when, when you've had your head on the chopping board, metaphorically, for delivering ongoing KPIs and results or being responsible when there's an outage, um, there's nothing like that sharp experience to really focus your brain on asking 
all the participants in the very big teams that make these things really fly well the right questions. Yeah. And so I think it's that that sharp end of, of experience that um, makes you avoid the dead ends and the and the pitfalls really, and, mm. and therefore it's, makes the outcomes a bit more likely. And so it is it is very time consuming at times to do all of this, and and that's another barrier that the the CDOs have to get over is. It can get very very boring when you start talking about the detail of data. You know, most of us zone out. But you know, the, the big stories and the big results are utterly fascinating, and it's just striking that balance between delivering the utterly fascinating but ensuring that the the detail is managed in a really, you know, sort of structured way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes that makes perfect sense. So I guess as we look to try and wrap this up, then Caroline. Um, if there are people out there, and, and I guess this is going to tie into the type of skills that someone needs to be kind of an independent advisor, NED for for our industry. Um, and as you rightly said, you know there is no substitute for just having lived and breathed this and have the the, the battle scars and all of that type of stuff from from the experience. But what do you see as the necessary skills and background and experience for someone to kind of, you know, be a, a data NED, uh, as, as it were? I, I think um, you've got to be madly curious um, and, and you've got to be creative. And as I said, you know, to be creative, it, you know, you've got to be strategic and, and, and be creative and be analytical. But, you know, there's a lot of creativity that goes into actually finding those really good ideas that really are sticky and, and, and generate the innovation that is needed. So I wouldn't underestimate the, the, the creativity element of it rather than just, you know, people talking about spreadsheets and, and data. Um, and you really, you've really got to be... Um, you know, one of the ways I describe it is being more of a sponge, somebody who's willing to listen to the people who are doing simple things all the way through to the very complex and um, and high-level stakeholder management. Again, just to give, you know, one silly example is if you know all the detail that's going on and, you know, one learns over time to do this, you 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 can very quickly connect some some information. So I know I was once presenting to a board and they said, oh, we've just decided to, you know, cease all travel from this particular location and, and uh, you know, and start in this location. And one of the locations they were going to start travel from was Aberdeen. And it was kind of, you know, how many people have you got in, in Aberdeen? And of course, you know, you're counting the data and it was an enormous quantity. I thought that can't be right. But then, of course, what you realized is that agents at that time in call centers who were taking all these bookings were writing in postcode. They were writing abroad. So, of course, they were all coming up as AB counts for Aberdeen. <laughs> and, and, you know, guess where all the deads were? They were in Derby. So, you know, it's, it's, it's this balance between understanding some of those, what the potential pitfalls are with some of the ways the data is collected, the provenance, all the way through to what the board wants to do. And you have to be able to run up and down that ladder. Um, but, you know, it's back to, you're no smarter than the management team. You're just looking at things with a slightly different different lens and you're free from day-to-day constraints. Um, so that, mm. that makes a massive dis- um, difference. And you need all the classic med skills, but if it's for data, digital or AI, that they're the key things you need. Because yeah. every business is focused on growth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Out of interest, and this has been, you know, uh, another really big topic around some of the failures of the projects in the and the, the initiatives from a data and analytics standpoint. That whole cultural transformation piece, right? And I guess what I've seen and heard a lot of is, you know, businesses go on this journey. The CEO or the board say how much is it going to cost how long is it going to take what do we need to get you know and all of that okay fine yeah let's go ahead and do this and they get to that point and they've invested a lot of money they've built this team they've bought all the tech and tools they start to build all these great products and solutions and then 
you know, bang, it drops off a cliff and, and it doesn't, it, it doesn't kind of prove or the value is not realized, I guess, as to what they were hoping for, expecting, or it could just be a totally epic failure. And at that point, then it's a case of chasing, tracing your tail back to why. And it's often that, that whole cultural transformation of the business to kind of actually use this and utilize this needs to, needs to happen. Um, and I don't know whether there's a, you know, a breakdown in communication at that top level to say, actually, it's not just about what it's cost and how it's going to take, but managing expectations, I guess, of the board to say, you know, for, for you to really get this right, we need to change the culture of this business fundamentally in terms of how people operate day-to-day users, everything, right? Is there a big play in that from any deep perspective in, in your eyes? You know, I think one one of the things that's that's a play that's whether it's a big play at NED level, it's just a big play within organizations full stop, is that you know, a lot of the people doing this clever work, a lot of the data scientists, they're quite young and quite inexperienced in business. And at the moment, we expect these data scientists to do models across everything and to almost be industry agnostic. So you're beginning to see people say, I want to be a data scientist who works with customer data, or I want to be a data scientist who works with cancer data. I want to predict how to avoid tumors. There's lots of things going on, and people are gradually beginning to decide where it is they want to play. But for all, in order for them to decide, they need to learn about the business. And some of them will always remain on the execution level where they build models and they do stuff like that. And others will go more strategic and probably spend less time building models, but more time communicating with the rest of the team. So I think from a cultural perspective, there's a big piece here to do to say, you know, you kind of reap what you sow. And if you really try and say to people at the right levels, go back to my high level one, high level two sort of way of talking, you, you say to these people, look, this is what the CEO is trying to achieve. And this is how we fit into the overall plan. And this is what I need you to do. And what can you give me? They also start bringing forward the ideas. And the ideas never come from one brilliant individual. It's, it's a merge of everybody um, participating and playing their part that brings out the best ideas and the best ways forward. Mm-hmm. And, and oftentimes those great ideas come from people who are doing something who are sitting there thinking this is a waste of time i don't know why i'm doing it like this mm-hmm. and um, and that becomes very business transformational that people at the top don't necessarily know that's happening so i'd say you know it's really embracing and spending more time explaining to them and giving them context that's made the biggest difference and certainly on projects i've done where i've, I've used very able data scientists educating them as to what the business is trying to achieve has been the most successful route and really trusting them you know yeah yeah i'm really glad you said that because i've had this conversation a million and one times and i've always said quite openly i'm sure we'd be in a much better place if we were to give these data science teams and ai teams and you know the, the whole data analytics capability actually context as to why they're doing what they're doing because that's one of the biggest complaints i hear is you know people now are starting to look for organizations where they can work where they can see if their work is adding value or not and it not just become feel like a production line of you know okay next project so it goes off somewhere into the into the mist and i never see or hear about it ever again and um you know i think yeah absolutely i I feel the same carl it's very they, they 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 want to be uh, a key a key element of the business rather than just the good old days where the brief was passed under a door and they sat and locked in <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely fair enough um so as we wrap this up then last thing from me caroline and i guess tying this back in i know that obviously you said at the start you've invested in many business and and that's an area that i guess i've got a very keen interest in myself on a on a personal level do you think that the learnings from those experiences help you be a better NED and I guess what what have those experiences been like for you yeah definitely I mean you know there's nothing like um, putting your own money on the line whether it be doing your own or putting hard-earned cash into someone else's business and seeing how they communicate to you and how they 
tell you what's going on and how you can understand at arm's length what's happening to really um, focus the mind again. And, you know, definitely the best investments are people who are great communicators. They really understand what information to share with whom. They can make things happen. Um, so, So a lot of it's about the people. Um, and a lot of it is about, you know, businesses that really address a business problem. And I think one of the things we see at the moment is there are lots of businesses that are emerging where they're, they're the most clever, sexy, technical solutions, but they haven't necessarily thought about the market and the commercial angles as solidly as they might have. And you've got other businesses where they've already got great commercial um, capability, but they haven't actually thought about all the other places they can go to to exploit the data and make the business even stronger. Everyone's looking for the silver bullet, but it's in different places. Mm-hmm. And you know, some some of them are just fabulous. I guess if I had to pick one out to say it's really good, um, you know, I'd say Comply Advantage is probably my best example of a business that is really good i mean it's using um data ai tech uh, in the complex market of global terrorism human trafficking financial crime and it's doing that globally and that's a vast challenge and it needs to be done at speed and it's there's no way that could ever have been done without strong tech data and ai and you know the business has got fantastic credentials but they've also kept a really strong focus on meeting customer needs and constantly evolving to keep the to, to meet the customer needs. So for me, that's probably the best and the most brilliant case study of how to build a business that's valuable very quickly. Because of course, everyone goes into it thinking, I'll do this much by this time. But oftentimes they haven't really even done the maths to work out that that means they're going to meet a million customers or whatever it might be. So, you know, that rate and pace and that commercial experiences um, is pretty important. And then I think the other problem is that sometimes the guys who've got all the great technical and AI ideas don't have the commercial skills. And some of the private equity firms, et cetera, some don't necessarily have all the data and analytics and knowledge to know if there's already, you know, um, too much competition in that space or it's already yeah. very mature. Clearly, they do a ton of research and they're all very, very good. But there, there still are some, you know, experienced nuances that are worth knowing. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Well, Caroline, look, it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I guess if people want to reach out, to you and you know pick your brains and anything that we've spoken about today or maybe get in touch around how you might be able to help them in a advisory capacity what's the best way for them to reach you oh linkedin's probably the best yeah i just remember it's carolina warboys.com that's my email so yeah there's two ways perfect yeah i'm looking forward to keeping in touch and seeing how you get on in this uh ned capacity Thank you very much. All right. See you later. Bye. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow our Bishon Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.